Hello, and welcome to the Project Good podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Hilton. Project Good is a social impact podcast interviewing experts and advocates about the pressing problems that we face globally and hearing how they suggest we move forward in the future. The Project Good podcast is brought to you by Project Good Work. The goal of this podcast is to inspire people and organizations to develop a mindset that can move others to positive action regarding the complex social issues facing people on the planet. For August, we're focusing on travel. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Caramel McCoy, founder and owner of Women Travel Abroad, a boutique travel company focusing on solo women travelers who are 35 years old or older who want to travel in style and go to dream and bucket list destinations and share the experience with people who feel like longtime girlfriends. Ms. McCoy has traveled to almost every continent on the planet and has encouraged and taken hundreds of women travelers on experiences and to places they never would have dared to try or go before. Let's get into the interview. First, let me introduce our guest, Caramel McCoy, founder and owner of Women Travel Abroad a boutique travel company focusing on solo women travelers who are 35 plus, who want to travel in style to dream in bucket list locations and share the experience with people who feel like longtime girlfriends. In addition to owning a travel boutique, Ms. McCoy is a speaker, travel trainer, business developer, and the owner of Selling Through Relationships Online Training Course. Welcome, Caramel. Well, thank you, Anne-Marie. I appreciate that. Yes, yeah, so glad that you had, had, had time to do this interview. I'm glad to be here. I love to, I enjoy talking to you anyway. So just to do it on the podcast makes sense to me. <laughs> Great. Um, so um, before we get started, um, for our audience, um, can you let them know why you started a travel company? Oh, wow. Okay. So uh, 2017, um, we were just coming back from living abroad for four years in Germany. My husband is active duty Air Force. Well, he's active duty for another nine days. He actually retires here just in a little bit. But anyway, he was deploying for a year to Qatar and I was going to California for a few, like a year. And I thought, I don't want to go get a job. And I know I know how to do this travel thing. I wonder if I can get a bunch of ladies who want to travel with me. So I hosted a meetup at a Chick-fil-A, printed out a, you know, wonky one page flyer and said, hey, y'all, y'all want to go with me to Amsterdam and to Paris? And they were like, let's go. And it took off from there. Sounds great. You make it sound easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so people have said that before. But here's the thing. I, I When I started, I, I didn't know how big it could be. I'll tell you, I, I didn't start it because I you know felt like, oh, I'm going to just you know continue to take a, a billion trips. I had in mind that there would be travel training involved. And I also had in mind that there would also be people who were like me wanting to host small group tours and not do the big, you know, 50 people deep, you know, on a big bus, you know, doing it with five or six ladies, no more than eight just makes a difference. And so, yeah, it, it, I, I only booked the first trip um, and then I thought, let me make sure I like taking ladies across the world. Maybe this might not be the thing for me, but it ended up being okay. <laughs> That's great that you found out that you liked it. Yeah, because sometimes when you um, you like something and then you uh, make it into a profession, it can sometimes uh, backfire. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> um, 
What is the your most uh, favorite place or your best place you've ever traveled? Oh, wow. So that's easy. I say it on my call every week with my travelers. So um, from uh, since I was a young girl, all of my reports were always on this country. Every time I thought about going somewhere exotic, this was on, on my list. And it took me a long time to get there. But Morocco is my favorite place on earth. Um, I feel like those are my people. I feel at at peace when I'm there. Um, and it just, it's, it's my, it lights up my life when I go to Morocco. So if, if there's any place on earth that, that would be it. Okay. I've always wanted to go. Hopefully I get to go soon. I'll have to take one of your trips. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, you're always welcome, Anne-Marie. That, I, that would, I would love to have you over there with me. Yes. Um, it'll probably, it probably will be happening sooner than later, maybe in 2023 or something. <laughs> sure. Um, so, um, right now, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to talk about travel is because obviously we've all been locked up uh, around the world in, in a pandemic <laughs> and, uh, people are, uh, literally, um, uh, losing it at the seams. And, um, now they are trying to, um, get out of their houses and, uh, go around and, um, get out there in the world. And so one of the things that you've probably seen, I'm sure in the news is that, um, travel is a little bit cha chaotic right now. Yeah. And so I thought you would be the perfect person to kind of give us an overview um, because you own a travel company. And then also you have the perspective of, um, I guess I would say, like a, a, a fairly new population of uh, women travelers. Um, women have uh, been traveling, started traveling alone, I guess, in the last uh, decade and a half. It's, it has become uh, more popular. Um, so um, definitely, especially with uh, the pandemic, and then obviously uh, we see a lot of, um, I guess we could say, uh, violence, and um, and obviously uh, we see some um, changes within um, different countries and the and the climate. Um, and one of the things that, of course, women travelers are always um, concerned about traveling alone is about um, their safety and things like that. Um, so. I guess uh, one of the first things, uh, since you are in the travel industry, how long would you say that the solo travel movement has been in place? So you can, uh, I would say probably in the last, like you said, 15 years, it really got popular in the last 10 years and social media brought on a whole big, another tribe of people who would consider themselves solo travelers, right? So a solo traveler doesn't necessarily mean someone who is by themselves. Um, it just means that they are not going with someone who they actually know. And I think people kind of misconstrue those two things, right? You know, a, th there is the solo traveler who actually will go by themselves, not ever, you know, not with anyone, no companion, and just kind of rough it in various countries. And then there's a solo traveler who says, I want to go, I'm just going with people who, who, who are not, are not my people or that I know. Um, I, I'll tell you that there is, um, uh, depending on who you talk to on whether or not they'd like to go alone, um, meaning solid in, in solitude. Um, and that also depends on the country that you're visiting. Um, but I'll say in the last 10 years, what you're seeing is people saying, I'm tired of waiting on my best friend who doesn't have the money. I'm tired of waiting on my husband who doesn't like to travel. I'm tired of waiting on my kids to get grown. I'm tired of waiting on, you know, me to have, you know, a million dollars in the bank. I want to go and see something different now. And, and I'm going to do that 
the best way possible through a small group like like I have through a large group that there there are large um, women groups out there and then also I'm gonna go to a place where you know as long as I feel safe I'm gonna travel there on my own uh, speaking of, of uh, safety, um, obviously, that's one of the biggest fears that people um, think of, uh, of when they're traveling alone. I guess, what are the other um, fears that you've encountered when you um, start to talk to a, a client? Oh, my goodness. So there are also there are all kinds of rumors out there about various cultures as if they live differently, entirely differently than we do in America. And I always have to tell Americans, the women who travel with me, hey, listen, you know, everyone in the world goes to the restroom like you do. Everyone in the world has to lay down in a bed like you do or <laughs> go to sleep. We all do the same things. We just made them do it. Do It uh, It may look a little different, right? Um, but it's still the same. And so I have to dispel rumors like, I don't want to pee in a hole in the ground. What does that even mean? Like, <laughs> like, I don't like, where are you going that that has to be? And if that's the case, then you obviously don't need to go to that place. Right. Like, um, I've, I've heard people say, you know, um, I don't want to have to wear, you know, the big hajib and everything all over, all over my thought, body and face when I go to that part of the part of the world. Well, I'm not taking you to the back rows of Iraq where, you know, you're. <laughs> Right. Like we're going to be traveling in places where it's a pretty Western type of culture. And the people who wear those type of, you know, well, that wear that Muslim garb, those people are doing that by choice. And so, you know, I just kind of have to just, you know, well, a lot of them, depending on the, the region, but I have to kind of just let them know that, you know, what you're getting in those other countries is an authentic look and view into how they live their lives. And it's not wrong. It's just different. And so. I'll say that a lot of, I remember one of my favorite stories is that I had an American, you know, we were in Germany and we were eating Spetzel. Ger, you know, Spetzel is a German, it's a German dish, right? And she says, oh, this doesn't taste anything like Spetzel. This is awful. I, American tastes different. I'm like, girl, Spetzel comes from Germany. You're in Germany. That stuff you're getting in America is not how Spetzel tastes. Like, you're not going to get, you know what I mean? It's not watered mm -hmm. down. So those are the kind of things that I like to dispel. And also the fact of, Hey, if you feel like you're going to be unsafe in a region and it's uncomfortable for you, there are a billion other places that you can go instead of going to that place. So, you know, I tell them if, if it's not your thing, just, you know, kind of chill on that and go find some place that really is your thing, because there are plenty of places I'm sure that they can find um, that speak to them. I guess so. Oh. What would you say are the benefits now of traveling solo that are, um, you know, that people wouldn't um, assume that they're going to get? Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> when you go with your best friend, or let's say this, when you go with a family member, you feel obligated. You don't feel those type of obligations when you're going solo. When you go solo, you uh, meeting the expectations of someone else because you've done the, the 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 organizing of the trip or because they expect you to take care of them, that kind of goes out of the window, especially with a group like WTA, right? So, Women Travel Abroad WTA, um, for short, we we leave it up to the traveler to decide when to opt in and when to opt out and what that's going to look like. And I think that. Uh, travel your way and not someone else's way is really trending up now. I don't want to be stuck on a tour that I think sucks. 
I want to, if I don't like the tour, I want to be able to say, you know what, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore and move to the next, um, on the itinerary or do something completely different. Um, and so it's kind of like when you go on a cruise where they say, you know, dine your way, you know, pick, you don't have to choose the time. Well, that's kind of how we like to travel as well. I like to be a little bit more spontaneous in our itineraries so we don't feel so, you know, confined and constricted. That. That makes sense. It's a, you know, it's a, it's freedom in a different way that I ever thought about it um, as for a solo traveler. Um, something I didn't think about is like every time that you are with somebody, especially family, as you mentioned, um, family tends to be um, uh, rigid, I guess, yeah, and, and for most people. Yeah. Um, so um, having this uh, freedom to, uh, you know, experience a culture or uh, maybe a trip, uh, how you would like, or get that relaxation that you um, probably don't when you are with um, sometimes family or other people. Yeah, you know, the other part of that too, Emery, is, you know, when we travel, we travel with single accommodations, a lot of group travel, which is nothing wrong with doing double, you know, when you have... Um, with someone you don't know. However, that can be somewhat daunting if you're an introvert or someone who doesn't really, you know, who likes to be in the, you know, with people, but I don't want to be with people in my most intimate space, right? Mm -hmm. Your bedroom, your bedroom and your bathroom are the most intimate spaces that you'll have. And so to share that with somebody that you don't know can be somewhat intimidating. So we took that intimidation out of the way we travel. We make it always single occupancy. The only way it's double is if you bring your own person. Um, mm -hmm. And that's on on purpose. I just don't, and, and you know, we used to do double occupancy, but I, and it wasn't uncomfortable. We, they, everybody was good with it. But when it, when it finally became single occupancy, it really changed the perspective and changed um, the views on how people looked at, okay, this is doable. I get to go in a great, a great hotel. I get, I don't have to share my space and I can kind of decompress and feel what I, you know, dealt with all day in this other country and then be able to come back to the group the next morning, refreshed and ready to go. I guess speaking of refresh, what makes uh, women travelers um, uh, different than other types of travelers, mostly male, I would say, or maybe young, young, younger people? Yeah. So I've had many people say, oh, Caramel, you should do couples. Oh, Caramel, you should do children, moms and daughters, or you, you should do... And I'm like, no, there are other people who do that. That's not my thing. So for me... <laughs> I choose to travel with women because that's my comfortable space and it's what I like to do, right? Um, I don't, a man coming to a trip, it changes the dynamic. Um, men typically are problem solvers. They don't know how to usually take a back seat um, and they don't know how to just kind of chillax in the moment, right? And and they tend to not want to be out all the time. You know, give me one thing and then that that's a wrap. Um, for me, um, traveling with a woman makes it to where we're kind of like-minded, the same type of tribe, and it just makes it for a much easier type of trip, you know. And then a man in a women's group, you know, if he's a cute guy, maybe the women are, you know, a couple of them are kind of, you know, eyeing him and he's, it just makes it to be a little bit more messy than I would like when I travel, which is why I specifically made it to where I'm targeting just women, Um and our demographic, it, it makes a difference for me in the way that the trip comes together and actually flows throughout the time that we're, we're traveling. So 
What kind of precautions um, do you, I guess, or do you uh, tell uh, women to take precautions as you are planning a trip because they are going solo, even though they are going to be with a group? Um, do you have like a, a, a sessions or something that you give them of precautions that they are, uh, that they should take as a solo travel? Absolutely. Let me tell you. So as a woman, you have to be mindful of where you're traveling to at all times and not be... Um, naive about being you know being somewhere where you're where you're where you're not you're unfamiliar right so to me it's no different than someone who lives you know wherever in point a and they go to the big apple new york city and they end up finding themselves somewhere in hell's kitchen right like that's not a place you probably need to be if you don't know the, the surroundings and so i often tell my travelers you know be mindful about the cash that they're flashing around be mindful about where they use their credit cards if it's a place where it's reputable and you feel like it's you know um, uh, but a street vendor, we're probably not going to use our credit cards there. We're going to be mindful in how we're dressing um, when we're in certain parts of the world. We're going to be mindful about how we speak to people. Um, I think Americans are spoiled in thinking that they can just... Uh, tell everyone how it is. And that's really not the way the world is. And so I oftentimes have to calm them down and understanding that, you know, the culture is different. Um, I remember having a lady, um, we were in Amsterdam and she was griping about how she had to wait for her salad. And how did she get her hamburger before I got my salad? What does it take to put some lettuce in the bowl? And I remember thinking to myself, okay, this is an American thing. So I said, hey, I said, would you like another glass of wine? Because we got this table all night. I'd like for you, just relax. That salad that you're about to get, it's going to be the best salad you've ever had in your life. I can guarantee it. But it takes a little while to get those fresh greens. I'm sure they probably came out of that garden. You see it over there? And she was like, oh, I didn't even think of that. And it was the best salad that she'd ever had. It was a great yogurt dressing and she was amazed by it. She had a glass of wine and I was able to change a little bit of that perspective that everything has to be done immediately and on time and customer service, right? It's just different. Mm -hmm. So I kind of try to keep those kind of thoughts in perspective when in terms of a solo traveler going anywhere out of the country for the first time. I guess, is there an ideal um, person that would be great as a solo traveler or is solo traveling for everyone? Oh, shucks. Um, yeah, so it's not for everybody. Um, I, I have had um, my best friend has never come on a trip with me, even though I'm, you know, going to comp it, right? She's going to come with me. All she has to do is just come. And she won't because she's not a solo traveler. And the the reason why she's not is she has no no desire to be in another country a culture she thinks that her culture is the best culture and she feels like and so if you are that way you know a true what what has been termed now a nationalist someone who believes you know wholeheartedly that you know they're the best and i'm not saying that we're not the best i'm just saying that you know there are some other great cultures out there if you are not um, one of those folks who likes to 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 peer into the lives of other people, then it probably isn't the best thing for you to do to travel somewhere. Now, that being said, if you're a naturist, you know um, that maybe you would take a place, go to a place where there aren't many people, but there's just nature. Um, but even in that situation, you're going to have to figure out a way to get there. So I would tell you, if you're not adventurous and are able to to laugh at yourself when things don't go the way that they need to, 
um, then then solo travel is probably not the best thing for you. Okay. That's definitely something to um, consider. I'm thinking of some friends of mine now that I have never taken trips for because uh, what you mentioned, I saw some similar um, characteristics in them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, now to turn the conversation a little bit to uh, what's uh, currently going on in the industry and, of course, dealing with uh, the uh, COVID virus. Um, how would you say that the COVID um, pandemic, um, I guess it's still going on, uh, obviously in the U.S. we've um, been a little bit more lax now that we have a vaccine going out. Um, but how would you say the COVID um, virus has changed as a travel industry? Oh, my goodness. It's, it's upside down. And so people who are leery about going on a cruise ship, um, that's that the cruise industry is is um, taking a, a, a terrible nosedive, right? Um, the uh, the airlines have grounded, you know, half of their fleets, and getting an, a flight to places, even though it might be inexpensive, is is it that the flights change all the time? I'm going to Morocco for the first trip. Um, that WTA has taken out of the country since um, December of 2019. And this trip to Morocco was crazy trying to get airfare. Um, the airlines are changing the, the t- flight times, it seems like, every other day. Um, I found that we couldn't fly directly. We couldn't fly through Europe to get to Morocco, which is what you typically do. I had to fly directly to Morocco. So that means I had to buy a domestic flight to get to JFK in New York and then had to take a JFK flight directly to Morocco. Otherwise, I couldn't go through Amsterdam to get a flight. Um, I can tell you that hotels have taken a huge beating. Um, Rates are going to be affected by that. I can tell you that um, countries are changing on a swivel and um, insurance, uh, travel insurance that people are used to getting with cancel for any reason insurance has changed. It's hard to get those policies and the the rates have doubled. Um, Resorts are having to um, uh, um, offer COVID tests upon departure because you know, as a foreigner, you don't know where to go get a COVID test or how to get one. So um, they're including those in stays at hotels and various places, or at least the good ones, right? Um, and being able to just make that change. I can tell you some of my travelers did not to Morocco next week they or next month. They didn't get the COVID vaccine. Well, if you have the vaccine, you can come in no problem without a COVID test. But that's not the case for those who didn't. You have to have a negative COVID test within 48 hours. Um, mm. of the results, which is a whole lot. Of, that's that's not a lot of time when you're traveling from America to get to Africa um, and having the results in hand. It's just, it's mind boggling how much of that has changed. Now, there are countries that are, have, you know, um, invitations to travelers who still want to come. So I, I always like to dispel the rumor that nobody's traveling anymore. That's not true. There have been people still traveling through the pandemic like they like there was no pandemic. But they've also had to abide by all of the rules from the different countries to which they're traveling to. So if you do your research and you make sure that you stay on top of the country um, information for the wherever your destination is, you'll be good to go. One of my favorite ones is Croatia. 
Croatia never closed for the pandemic. So I had, you know, some influencer travelers who were, you know, Instagram influencers who were bragging, showing pictures of being in, in, in Croatia. But what they didn't tell you is that they had to have a COVID test. They had to quarantine for, I think it was 72 hours to 10 days, depending on what country they came from. And, um, and it was expensive to do that, but it just so happened that they, of course, were getting it, you know, comped by 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 the hotel, right? So mm-hmm. those are the kind of things I like people say, you know, dispel the rumor that, you know, people have still been traveling. Are you ready to abide by the rules to continue to do so? Yes, one of the things, you know, because um, right now I'm even preparing to go to a trip. Hopefully um, Montreal will be fine in October. Um one of the things that my husband and I haven't been even discussing is, is it going to be okay to go through air travel, I guess, and, and to be in the airport? I guess, how are you making people feel comfortable about getting on a plane again? Okay, so I'll tell you this, Emery, and this is a true statement, and I say it to my travelers. It is, I am not in the business of convincing anyone to go anywhere. So for me, um, I let everyone know up front, if you are super scared and you have anxiety about making a trip, then you should not make it, period. Um, I had a traveler who was scheduled to go with me to Morocco. As it got closer, she started reading reviews and hearing all of the stuff and watching the news. And I said, listen, bow out. Do not continue to move forward because the anxiety that comes with that and then going on the trip and something going wrong, you'll always regret it. And that puts a sour taste in your mouth. So to me, um, you know, if you feel uncomfortable, then you should not go. The other thing is, you know, we're wearing masks in airports. You know, you've got a couple of onesies, twosies reports that you see where someone's got punched out and you know, someone wasn't wearing their mask like they were supposed to. Well, you have unruly passengers doing unruly things all over, right? It's not just an air, an air, an airline. So, uh, my 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 advice is, if it is uncomfortable and you you're feeling, you know, I don't want to do this, then my goodness, do not go until you do feel like you know it's time to go. You're spending quite a bit of money and a lot of time and energy towards going somewhere um, that you expect to have a good time at. And if you're already starting before you get there having a bad time, then mm-mm, you should you should stop. Um, but I'll tell you, airline airports are packed these days. It is not, um, there are people who are traveling and they are packed and it's happening. So, you know, wear your mask, have your sanitizer, um, stay safe. As um, soon as you get out of the airplane and go to the, your hotel, get showered up and get cleaned up and, and move on. What would you say is the best place for um, travelers that are uh, planning to travel or um, already traveling to get the best information regarding the infection status of different parts of the world that they're traveling to? Great question. So I think that um, going through uh, the State Department is a great resource. Uh, A lot of times the State Department um, is up to date. However, you have to be country specific and region specific. So while if I go to Morocco, Marrakesh is okay to travel to, Fez may not be, right? So you want to be mindful of that. Um, uh, The other uh, website would be um, going to um, the uh, CDC. 
that has mm-hmm. up-to-date information about COVID and what it's doing in various parts of the world, not just COVID even, but also other infectious diseases that are affecting different regions of the world. Um, the World Health Organization, or WHO, is a great resource. And then, to me, the top priority resource for any place that you're going to travel to is the tourism department of the country in which you're traveling. My goodness. That's where you're going to get your information. And uh, typically, I start, like, for instance, with Morocco. I started with Royal Moroc Air. And the reason why I started with them is because... They're the airline flying to and from the country. So if anyone has to be up on those rules, it has to be them. And I also use the Moroccan tourism department. And I'm not talking about going to Lonely Planet or any of these forums that you might go on. That is absolutely not a place to get good information. What you hear there are a lot of rumors and and, and innuendo and, oh, it's like this and my friend told me. No. Always go to a government site or well-respected airline for this the country in which you're traveling to because that's where you're going to get the most up-to-date and valid information. So with all these changes that are happening um, due to uh, COVID and the pandemic that is still um, raging pretty strongly in uh, countries like uh, India, um, what are the most innovative things that you've seen that the travel industry has started implementing Ah, okay. So um, I like having um, the COVID vaccine and being able to get the COVID um, testing in the airports uh, for your departures and arrivals. Um, I like that they have with um, some countries uh, like Belize, they call it gold standard, which means that they this hotel has been vetted to make sure that they are, you know, um, having the the traveler's best interest at, at in mind um and so they cling to the specific standards of what the cdc guidance would be or their respective um disease control departments would be um i know in mexico if you travel there um if you do get covid while you're there and there's a negative test they will allow you to stay at the resort um um, on them while you have to while you're recovering now it's going to be a different room than you stayed in when you were paying for it it still is on the result and they'll bring you food every day until you get a negative test and are able to fly back to America so that's also a plus and then the other part is being flexible if you're traveling with me to Morocco, I've told my travelers 100%, you're going to need to be flexible. And you're also going to have to take responsibility for whatever that looks like in terms of your travel. So if you get to Amsterdam and they say that you can't get to Morocco because they let literally just change it while you were in, in mid-flight, that's not going to be a responsibility for anyone else. You're going to have to own that and understand this is the luck of the draw for traveling during such a you know monumental time. Um, so as long as my travelers know that and I've made sure that I tell them that and I tell anyone who's traveling, as long as you keep track of and understand that the onus is on you, then you'll be fine. Well, that's a, a good way to get people, um, I guess, uh, taking uh, responsibility and not feeling, um, I guess, uh, victimized by the situation. Man, a vic- uh, the, the, I will tell you this, Anne-Marie, one of the worst things, you know, during COVID affected most travel businesses in a major way. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, the travel industry, industry, you know, one out of every 10 jobs is in the travel industry. And people don't realize in travel and tourism and hospitality. And, you know, you're talking about um, it affected 
it rippled through, right? And then the mm-hmm. other part was you got a lot of tourism companies and businesses that went out of business, that they just couldn't stand up and keep going. You know, my business itself took a, a huge hit, a $45,000 hit because of, you know, booking hotels that went out of business or tour tour companies that went out of business who, you know, just didn't make it. So that whole victim thing and what Americans feel like is real customer service, real customer service is me is not me having to say, oh, I'm sorry you, sorry for you. Um, you know, the COVID, um, you know, it's not refundable. You know, I've got to change my policy because something has happened to you. Now, again, I split the difference with my travelers, which was more than a lot of travel companies did, but I still got kind of slammed by people thinking that I was supposed to do what's right for them and give them all their money back when, hey, you took a risk and you knew the risk was hard. You didn't get insurance. That's going to be something that you have to deal with, you know? Yes. Um, Speaking of uh, the hits that the industry has taken, um, I know for one thing, um, uh, there's a a lot of different things, but uh, one of the things I know um, that are contributing to the delay of flights is that uh, for pilots that were um, not flying and, uh, and, you know, um, staying at home with everybody else from the pandemic, um, that... um, that uh, the airlines, the depending on who they worked for, um, they would have to like uh, I guess uh, kind of reinstate themselves so that they would be um, up to par. Mm-hmm. Um, other things that I've heard that um, have hit the industry are everything from even uh, when you're in the airport and you're waiting for your next flight. Um, you know the uh, places that you eat eat um or don't have workers yep um also i remember reading an article about um they couldn't even get uh people to take the janitorial jobs at the airport um so uh i know that the industry itself has been hit in a way that um like it never has been before shucks so the guy who does the peanuts for the airlines he had a, a warehouse full of peanuts that he couldn't even sell so what does he do if his if his whole business is solely dependent on selling to the airlines and the airlines aren't flying what happens to that business the guy who owns all of the parking spot um, uh, uh, places you know where you park your car and then they shuttle you to the airport he literally lost 60% of his business he had to lay off 75% of his staff there was nobody parking at the parking spot so you know the the ramifications is is, is far reaching and you're talking about all the way down to like you just said people who are working at the you know Aunt Annie's um, pretzels in the in the airport there there there's if there's nobody there to buy them why am I why do I have you staffed so yeah it's it's pretty bad on on all of those fronts um, do you think, I guess, uh, is the industry going to recover uh, quickly, like some things have been recovering quickly after the pandemic, or, or do you think this is going to be um, a long game? Oh, this is a long game. Um, Italy, um, one of the hardest hits, um, one of the hardest hit, hit countries for COVID um, is still trying to figure out how they're going to get their tourism. I mean, it their GDP, 30% of their GDP is tourism. Like that's a huge number of model money that's dependent on people coming from another place. And so um, it's going to be a while before um, you're, we're able to see, and, and it's going to be also a while before we'll see the full ramifications for what this actually has done 
um, to various countries around the world. And, you know, furthermore, um, you know, I feel like people need to be more patient when it comes to traveling, you know, where they're going to go. Um, they have to be diligent about, um, you know, their expectations. Um, and no, I don't, I think that we're going to, we're going to see lasting effects of, of this for, for quite some time. What the, what I'm seeing right now, for instance, um, I don't know if you've checked on rental cars lately. Um, it costs you mm-hmm. usually a hundred ninety nine to a hundred and nine dollars a day in little, small, little places up to $200 a day to rent a car. People are like, how in the world is this? Well, you know, you know, people like, um, enterprise, I think, or Hertz, they had to file bankruptcy. They had so many in their fleet with nobody driving them. That was a wrap. They, they were cash strapped. They had to sell off a lot of their fleet. So with, you know, with less supply and more demand comes right. Higher prices. prices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a lot. Yeah, no, I saw about the, um, uh, the, the car rental shortage and, um, how much it costs. And especially one of the big places that has been hit is Hawaii. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody in the U.S. was trying to like, they're like, well, if I have to be here, I might as well be in Hawaii. Um, but I know in Hawaii, people there are like trying to say there's nobody working here anymore <laughs> to help you. <laughs> right. Right. You know, that's funny. You should say that. We, I just, I just, I just announced a trip to Hawaii. We put one together for, um, for Christmas, right before Christmas. And, um, and that price point, I could, I couldn't believe it. I had looked at that a couple of years ago and I think it was going to be like something like, you know, 2,800 to $3,200. I had that price has skyrocketed almost double. We, you know, in order for me to take somebody there for the six days, like we typically do, you know, you're talking about 44, I think it's $4,400. It's a lot, but mm-hmm. that's how much it costs. And so my husband always says it costs what it costs. There's nothing I can do to change that. And so how bad do you really want it? And I think that's going to be the, the key. The people who are going to be traveling here in the near future are going to be the ones who have the money to travel. It won't be, you won't see a whole lot of, um, the, the, uh, the younger travelers like you once did because things were so cheap and it was so easy. And, um, I think that it's going to be more of the established folks who are able to continue to, 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 to get outside of the country. Yeah. It's going to be like, um, I guess like the fifties when it was like a luxury thing to do. Sure. Absolutely. And you know, I, that's one of the things I'm glad that I'm glad I chose the niche that I chose for WTA because, um, it already, I already, it was already a, a platform for where people who didn't mind spending the money for a little bit, uh, a lap of luxury. Right. And so to me, that's kind of why I'm able to continue to move forward and lean in and progress and kind of scale because, you know, my niche was already in, in the, the population who had the funds to spend anyway. Mm-hmm. That was a smart move. <laughs> I didn't know at the time, like, how would I, I would have never known, you know, that was a question that I asked the ladies at the first, the first meetup. The question I asked, I said, Hey, we're going to Amsterdam in Paris. And I said, do you want to stay at the Holiday Inn or do you want to stay at the Waldorf Astoria? And all of them said, let's stay at the Waldorf. Cause they'd never done it before. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> And so, you know, that question is the reason why we are l- more luxury leaning boutique travel than the other way. Cause it could have they could have said the, the holiday Inn, and I don't know what it would have been different. You know what I, I, I don't know. They, 
because they said that they gave me that answer that's why i geared it towards all right well if i let me tell you i love staying at the waldorf it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been at the one in Amsterdam, but I do know they, um, I do know it's a nice hotel. Sure. (laughs) Sure. Um, so one of the other things, because there's so many, um, problems going on these days, but one of the big things that we as a, uh, as a planet need to work about, worry about, um, next after the pandemic or not even after the pandemic, but right now, um, because it's predicted um, by the UN, if we don't t- take actions um, by 2030, that uh, a lot of places might be underwater, um, experiencing floods. Um, you know, we have uh, uh, the climate is uh, changing. And right now we're seeing um, that in Germany. Mm-hmm. The floods. Yes. Um, so I guess how uh, have you have, have you seen climate change, I guess, uh, affecting travel now or um or is that not something that you have uh, necessarily seen? Most definitely. So I'll tell you this. So, you know, my heart goes out to those folks in Ryland, Ryland Patlet. So, cause that's where I used to live when I lived in Germany, right? And Ryland Falls is one of the states in Germany. So that's near and dear to me. I know people who have been affected by that. And I think that that's awful. And it really is a testament to what climate change can actually do, um, depending on where you live at, right? So you live in Southern California, the droughts. Mm-hmm. Imagine, like I remember 25 years ago when I was a kid, even maybe longer. I remember when I used to be a kid going to visit my auntie who lives in California in Pomona. I remember the red flowers and how green it was. Like when I got back to Southern California, I was like, what in the heck is this place? It looks like a, it looks like the desert and it didn't used to be that it used to be the Valley. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So when someone is saying that they don't get it or they don't see it, well, open your eyes. I can't even imagine how you couldn't. So it's affecting our travel to Iceland. It's affecting travel to various places where the, the pristine, just the place is pristine as you want it to be, is being affected. So as far as travel is concerned, um, places like Machu Picchu, where they're going to start um, 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 just ordering and you'll have to order a way to get there. Places like um, the Galapagos Islands, where they're trying to keep the natural habitat, where they're going to start limiting any travel to those places, which goes back to me saying that the only people who will, you know, typically be able to afford to go then are the ones who can afford to buy one of those spots, right? Because it's limited. Um, So I think that, um, you know, I tell my travelers all the time, hey, um, you know, when we go to a place like Machu Picchu or to a place like Belize, when we're using those foreign shampoos and those foreign soaps and bring and bringing it into an ecosystem that is not used to that, you are affecting that ecosystem, right? Um, so those are the kind of things that I want my travelers to be mindful of. And I always, depending on which trip we're going on, I, I make sure that I give them that information so they can kind of think, oh, I never even thought of that, right? I never even thought that my charcoal um, <laughs> toothpaste might affect the ecosystem when I'm traveling somewhere, my plastics and throwing them away. All of that matters. Mm-hmm. All of that matters. So yeah, I try to do my best um, to to educate my travelers on the place that we're going. 
I guess um, you just already covered something I was going to ask you, um, is that, uh, you know, how can people travel more responsibly? Actually, you brought up something that I haven't thought about. I'm glad that I am one of these people who had uh, already gone organic with um, my uh, beauty products and my soaps and all of that uh, long ago. But I, you know, I really wasn't, uh, I didn't think about it um, from an environmental standpoint. I was just thinking of it in a selfish uh, sense for my skin. Yeah. I didn't want to... Um, uh, put that kind of uh, stuff that I couldn't read on my on my skin. Right. Um, so uh, yes, I guess uh, that is definitely something that all of us uh, should take into account. Is like, what are we doing when we um, get those uh, little mini travel shampoos and the soap that we're using and the toothpaste? Um, yeah, you've just enlightened me. I, I never even thought about that. Oh, it matters 100%. Imagine the people who are going to those rainforests and they, they, they're thinking it's harmless, right? It's just shampoo. Well, imagine that place has never been, that's never been introduced there. How do you know what the, how that's going to affect any of those chemicals are going to affect the, the, the ecosystem there? I mean, it, it, all of that is part of being mindful about your role in the world. Like, <laughs> like and I get it. It's, it's, it's everyone doesn't think about those things, but me as the person who was educating the people and who are doing it and is and is organizing this travel, it, I feel like it's any our duty as that um, travel agent or and I'm not a travel agent, but host or concierge or whatever you want to call yourself. If you have anything to do with the travel industry, you absolutely have to in, engage your traveler and to educate them about what's happening. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because, you know, everybody's always thinking about like, don't fly on a plane because of the carbon footprint. But um, it, these little things that we're doing with our plastics and everything um, make a, a much more a, a bigger difference than than we think, because, uh, you know, our plastics end up in the ocean, the water on the in the you know landfills and all this stuff. Yep, this is true. Um. I guess uh, one of the things, these are things to help people. Uh, so how far in advance should people plan their trips these days? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> so, look, I have I just announced a trip to Hawaii that's happening in December. I just announced it, I think, two weeks ago. So what is this? This is July, August, September, October, November, December. So that's five months. Typically, that's about the time that my travelers, my trip sellout is about five or six months before the trip. But I usually have available, try to have them available a year out in advance. These days, my goodness, I just tell you, but book it still in advance six months, but be prepared for the changes to happen. That's what I'm telling everybody and kind of go with the flow, right? Um, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Um, if you are able to be a, uh, a spontaneous traveler, that's even better. I thought about getting into that kind of niche. Like, wonder if I said, hey, let's go to Niagara Falls, even though Canada's not open right now. But I'm just saying, if it were, right? Oh, I wonder <laughs> if we just go to Belize, you know, in two weeks. I just had to be mindful that everyone can't jump up that way. And um, so I, I still feel like, you know, five to six months is a good time. Okay, great. Um, what would you say are your three top predictions for travel in 2022? Okay. So it's going to be more expensive in 2022. Um, you're going to have to be, um, mindful that customer service and or services that are available are going to be limited in the places that you're, you're visiting. And number three, um, 
Shucks and Marie, I'm sitting here trying to think. Um, you won't be welcome in all places around the world like you once were. So I believe that wholeheartedly. There are play I, I have not, you don't hear about people saying they're going to Asia because Asia's like, we don't want you. <laughs> and, and mm, it's, okay. it's not a bad thing. It's, we don't want you. You need to wait. We're still not out of this. We don't know. You guys are, you know, a little bit more irresponsible than we are. So, no, stay where you're at. <laughs> this is true, as we were the leaders <laughs> of the virus. Right. So, it's kind of like, you know, we're going to have to be, we're going to have to realize that, you know, we are not the center of the earth. And, um, and you know, likewise, those other countries, whether they reciprocate that or not, we're just not going to be welcome everywhere like we once were. So, that's kind of what I, how I feel about it. Wow. I guess this kind of leads into my final question. What would you say is the biggest lesson that we should have all learned after this 2020 experience? Hmm. So I've learned quite a few lessons, right? I've, I've gone through quite a bit. I've gone through ups and downs and twists and turns, but I would say that if I had to narrow it down, what is the biggest lesson? It is that um, that the world is fragile and the people in it have to um, be mindful of their role in terms of everyone around them. And I think that not enough people worry about their role in any situation. They're always talking about what somebody else is doing. And I feel like we should own our role, right? And we should own the fact that, hey, we have been irresponsible. I did not want to wear my mask, so I'm gonna be responsible for that. the fact that I might have done something that's, that's irresponsible. Or I have worn my mask and now I, um, and I, something happens and I, I still get it. And, and now I'm, I'm wondering, you know, should I, why was I even doing this in the first place? If we all, thought of our role in this, I think it, we would probably have gotten through this a little bit quicker uh, and with a little less, I don't know, evilness. I, I want to, I don't want to, mm -hmm. I guess that kind of sounds kind of harsh, but I really feel like there has been some evil talk in the world since the pandemic. And, you know, and it's only because of the ignorance that we have about our what our stake is in this in this in this whole in this whole big world we have yes i couldn't uh you said it um better than i could ever uh, have imagined uh yeah no evil i i think evil is the right word mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. um well uh thank you so much for your insight um i definitely learned a lot and now i will uh definitely think a little bit more about what I pack and um, when I go to other countries and places that are um, uh, more pristine. Um, so thank you once again. Oh my goodness, Anne-Marie, thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. This was a good conversation. I can't wait to hear it back. Yes, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be uh, uh, wonderful. <laughs> All right. Uh, so thank you, Caramel, for your time and insight. If you would like to learn more about uh, Caramel or, or book a trip for, for 2022, go to womentravelabroad.com. 
If you have a passion for an unserved community, a social justice problem, or simply want to change minds, contact Project Good Work at projectgood.work to start your project of change today. To our listeners, thanks for tuning in to Project Good, where we are focused on what matters. <laughs>